reminded of what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2. He said, and so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Can you imagine what if we began to leave corporate gatherings times like this when we get together and what if we had no idea who sang or who preached because we encountered God in such a way that it didn't even matter anymore? What if the promises of scripture, the thing that Jesus came to happen, what if we began to see it? What if we walked in this building bound and left free? What if addicts began to come into this building and leave clean? What if those of us who've been ridden and riddled with anxiety and depression came in, overwhelmed and cast down and confused and left with clarity? Not because of striving, not because we prayed the right thing or sang the right song, but because his power was among us. I think we're all fed up with church at this point, right? And I don't mean for a city church. I mean, I think we're all fed up with playing church, with cramming into a building and expecting to just get fed or hear a good message or hear a message that entertained us or made us laugh or, or, or whatever the case may be. I think we're all saying, God, we need your power. We need your glory. We need your presence because if our city was infected and influenced by the power of the Holy Spirit, what happened last night would have never happened. There's a holy discontentment, I think, that's happening in the church because we realize, we, the people of God, the bride of Christ, are realizing he made so much available to us. And Chad said last week that, that, that to live out the life that we're called to live as believers is way less about ability and way more about availability. And if that's true, that's good news for me because maybe you don't know it, friends. I hope you don't know it, but Lauren before Christ was a liar. Lauren before Christ was a gossip. Lauren before Christ was an egomaniac obsessed with her own effort and ability and expecting it to attain her something in this life. And so I know what life without him is like, and I know what life in his spirit is like. And I've only tasted what I've tasted, and I'm going, God, there's so much more, and I want all of it. So if it's not about my ability and it's about availability, I want to be more available. And I want all of us to be more available. See, I went through a season of my life where I experienced spiritual abuse. And um, if you've ever experienced that, maybe you have, maybe you haven't. But essentially, it's, it's someone manipulates you to believe that you're spiritually defective. So you begin to believe that you don't have what you need to hear from God, identify what God's saying to you, to recognize his voice or his presence in your life. And so I had a, a season of life where some people that I put in an authority position in my life um, took on that role and, and convinced me that something was wrong with me. And I was in turmoil in my walk with God for years because of it. And here's why. Because, because of the Holy Spirit, the promise that every single one of us has is that now you and I are temples for his spirit. 
Jesus said, it's better that I leave. This is what he said to the disciples, and I'm sure they were scratching their heads and it didn't make sense. He said, it's better that I leave because if I go away, if I ascend, you get the counselor. You get the helper, you get the advocate, you get the presence of God dwelling inside of you forever. And that's way better than all of you ripping at my cloak all the time I walk down the street because you can't all have all of me at once. And so what I wanna tell you today, I wanna start, I love the Holy Spirit so much. And I think that the Holy Spirit is like, the tolerated third sibling of the Trinity. It's like, we love the Father. We want to talk about the Father all the time. You know, the Father who created all things and was before all things. And I mean, and and what does that even mean? And it's beautiful and we're intrigued and we can lean into that mystery. And then we talk about Jesus. What gets better than Jesus? God the Father literally coming as a man in the likeness of a human being, dwelling in flesh and blood and with skin on to be among us so we could share meals and know what God was like and realize how merciful and kind he was and touch him and speak to him and experience him. I mean, you gotta love Jesus. And then we get to the Holy Spirit and things get a little interesting. But I love what a Bible teacher that I often listen to, Priscilla Shire, said about the Holy Spirit. She said, the Holy Spirit is not a ghost or a wind or a fire or a dove. He's often symbolized by those things, but don't minimize him. That ain't who he is. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Not third because he's least in value, but third because he is the last to be revealed to us in the pages of scripture. But all of the power, all of the grandeur, all of the authority of God the Father is in the person of the Holy Spirit. Which means if you are a believer and the Holy Spirit lives in you, all of the greatness and all of the authority and all of the grandeur of God himself now lives inside of you. If you are a believer, you have the Holy Spirit. Such good news. I don't know what to do with this Bible, y'all. I'm going to stick it here. And our friend Catherine, she's a friend of this church, dear friend. She, at the following Jesus Haven, we ended and, and everyone was sharing what God did in their life and what he revealed to them. And she said, you know, when I stepped into this haven, I didn't know what a following Jesus Haven was. And she said, but I'm leaving and I realize I'm a Jesus Haven. I'm a temple. I'm a resting place for the spirit of God. The whole book of Acts that we're in right now It's called Acts because it speaks to the Acts of the Apostles, the good works, the missions that the Apostles were able to carry out to effectively expand the kingdom of God on the earth. And they all did it because of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. It would have been impossible without the Holy Spirit. See, in the Old Testament, Isaiah and and, um, Joel and, and Joshua and these different men, they had a moment where the Spirit rested on them. They had a moment where the Holy Spirit showed up in power and authority and grandeur and they were able to accomplish something that they never could have alone. And what Jesus comes and starts to tell the disciples and tells us is that there's something better than God resting on us and that's God living in us. And so when we think about availability, like Chad said last week, this idea that all we have to do is begin to receive more and more. I wanna talk about the Holy Spirit that is available to us. The Holy Spirit that Jesus has given us unlimited access to when we put our faith in him and receive. The scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit is the same spirit that hovered over the waters at the beginning of creation. The same spirit that breathed life into Adam's nostrils. The same spirit that anointed Isaiah to preach good news to the poor and freedom to the captives. 
the same spirit that rested on Jesus like a dove when he was baptized. This is the same spirit that caused Mary, a virgin woman, to be pregnant with our Savior, Jesus. This is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead after he'd been buried for three days. Jesus says, this is the person that's now available to you and me. So he's not just a power source. He's not the figure of uh, Pentecostal uh, denomination. He's not a shot in the arm. He's not an added dose of authority or power or goodness or presence. The Holy Spirit is God himself now in a form revealed that we're available to literally receive and inhabit in us every single day. And I think it's so important that we begin to get really curious about who the Holy Spirit is because so often in our Christian life, the church, the big C church at large is missing the person of God and the third person of the Trinity because we're afraid of it. So when we say, oh, I'm good on the Holy Spirit, he's not my thing, that's not my thing, it gets a little weird. We're not resisting a spiritual gift. We're not resisting a movement or a denomination or an expression. We're resisting God himself. And my friends, that's tragic because we're going we're gonna to go to Acts 2 right now and we're going to see that the outpouring of the Spirit was God's promise to us. And I don't know about you, but if God wants to give me something, I don't want to tell him I don't want it. Can you imagine Jesus in the flesh standing and saying, I want to give you something. I'm good. And I especially don't want to tell him that I don't want it when I see the havoc that's been wreaked in my life, in our lives, in our city, in our world as a result of being influenced by everything else but the Spirit of God. I remember in Luke 11 when Jesus is talking to the disciples and he's, he's sharing that parable about the importance of being persistent in prayer, like keep asking, keep knocking. And he says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So the Holy Spirit is, is aside from being our counselor and advocate and helper, he's reinforcing the fatherhood of God in our lives. You want to know what kind of father God is? The kind that says, I will literally give you all of myself to inhabit your, you, your body, your frame, your temple at all times. That's the kind of father that God is. And when I think about what's available to us as we receive more of the Holy Spirit, as we think about being people who are able and connected so that we can live out the lives that we're called to live, so that we can be effective in the kingdom, effective in ministry, effective in, in expanding the, God's mission in the earth before he returns. I remember just a few things that God says that the Holy Spirit does for us. One, he says the Holy Spirit's our helper. Jesus knew that he was going to go away and his followers were going to need the Holy Spirit to remember everything he said. And so in John 14, Jesus says, hey, I'm going to teach you every single thing that I said so you can remember it. Does anybody need help in this room? The Holy Spirit's your helper. And I remember later in John 16 that, that Jesus says that the Holy Spirit was the one that was going to come and convict the world about sin and righteousness. Does anybody notice how there's a lot of confusion in our world today about what's right and what's wrong? There's a lot of confusion even in the church about what's right and what's wrong. And the Holy Spirit comes in and convicts. You know that feeling you get on the inside when you're like, I shouldn't be doing what I want to do. That's the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 1, Paul prays and he says, Father of glory, would you give to me the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to us. 
We can only know about Jesus what the Holy Spirit shows us and the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to us. And this is one of my favorites in Romans 8. It says that when we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit helps us in our time of weakness and prays for us and helps us know what to pray. We cannot afford to live life without the Holy Spirit. All right, we're gonna get into Acts 2 now. You guys ready? Um, This is a really awkward little situation I have because when I put my Bible on my laptop, it makes crazy noises. So I'm just gonna hope that the Holy Spirit empowers it to act right. All right, if you wanna turn to Acts 2 with me. Oh, it's already 12 or 2. It's all right. Hey, but I didn't, it wasn't me this time. All right, amen. Last week it was, not this week. Also, I'm really grateful for Tiffany and Marquise. I don't know if they're in here this morning. Just so much of power and authority on her voice, and I just, I'm really grateful for Holy Spirit in her. All right, so last week we were in the upper room, Acts 2, the day of Pentecost. If you want to go to Acts 2, verse 14. And you remember Chad left it off and kind of left us with the cliffhanger of, of in the upper room, right? 120 believers are gathered together and this miracle happens. The Holy Spirit shows up. The Holy Spirit rests on everyone's shoulders like a dove and people begin to speak in different tongues and not just for tongue's sake. They're speaking in different languages, each other's languages, and there's a great unity that happens as they're proclaiming the excellencies and the grandeur and, and worship unto God as they speak these languages empowered by the Spirit. And there's two groups of people that that are observing and that are here and that on look. And one group laughs and jokes and says, they're full of wine and they must be drunk. Because otherwise, how does this happen? And the other group says, what could this mean? Like there's wonder and there's, there's curiosity and they recognize that God's on the move here. And then Peter begins to speak. He begins to preach the word of God. And that's where we are, Acts 2, verse 14. It says, Peter, standing with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the whole crowd. He said, men of Judea and all of you in Jerusalem, let this be explained to you. Let me break it down. Listen closely and pay attention. These people are not drunk, as you assume. It's only 9 a.m. But this is the beginning of what was spoken through the prophet Joel who said, and in the last days, says the Lord, I will pour out my spirit on all mankind and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond servants, both men and women, I will in those days pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will bring about wonders in the sky above and miracles on the earth below, blood and fire and smoking vapor, pretty intense. The sun sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord. And it shall be that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And I want to skip all the way down to verse 37. It says that when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart with remorse and anxiety. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what are we to do? And Peter said to them, repent, change your old way of thinking, turn from your sinful ways and be baptized, each one of you in the name of Jesus Christ because of the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and for your children and for all who are far away, as many as the Lord our God calls to himself. 
And I love this story. It's one of my favorite sermons preached all in the New Testament. Because you look at Peter, you remember Peter, right? We're talking about the same guy who denied Jesus three times. He looked a woman dead in the face when she said, do you know that man? He said, woman, I don't know him. Those were his exact words, woman, I don't know him. And then Peter wept bitterly, it says, after denying the Lord in the hour of his death. And prior to that moment, Peter was like on a high and had a knife in his hand. And, and there's a guy who's a, a, a crucial part of Jesus' crucifixion. And Peter strikes down and cuts his ear off. And Jesus is like, now I have to heal the guy's ear because you're doing too much. So Peter's a lot. Peter was a dear friend of Jesus, though, a dear disciple of the Lord. And so in this moment, Peter had history with God, and that's what shone through, and that's what came out in this moment. And I love, I love the encouragement that this gives for us that even if we've turned our backs on God, even if we've denied him, even if we've forsaken him, even if we've let him down, that God will still use us as instruments to bring forth his kingdom and his power and his glory. And I told you earlier who I was before Christ, so this is really good news for me. I love the, the, the redemption, if you look at the details of this, that God takes the same man who once had a knife in his hand and struck down a man's ear under the authority and empowerment and anointing of the Holy Spirit. He takes the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, a different knife, preaches it, and cuts to the heart of 3,000 men and women that day, and they were all saved. God can turn your story around with the Holy Spirit so quickly. And here's what happens. Peter is saying, hey, these folks are not drunk. This is supernatural activity. This is the Holy Spirit empowering them to literally speak in different language. Stuff gets weird when God fills us and we let him have his way. We lose control. And we're not supposed to be afraid of that. We're supposed to embrace that. And so Peter calls back to a prophecy from Joel 2 about what God was going to fulfill in the earth. See, like I said earlier, Peter knew the stories of all the Old Testament prophets who longed for the day when God would not only rest on them for a moment, when the Holy Spirit would not only show up in power for a moment, but would live inside of them forever. And so he's calling back to the prophecy and he's saying, don't you guys see it? This is the moment. The Old Testament prophets, we are their envy right now because what's happening is the promise is being fulfilled. 120 people gathered in the upper room waiting for Jesus to do what he said he would do and it's happening. They're not drunk. This is an infilling. This is supernatural. This is something they couldn't do on their own even if they tried. This is what happens when the Holy Ghost gets set free and released in our lives. Unity happens. Empowerment happens. Kingdom things begin to happen. And I read this, and I remember what Chad said last week, and I'm like, God, you're telling me that what was prophesied in this book, what you promised, we can experience it right here and now. I want it. Do you want it today, church? And then... I think some of us can think about being filled with the Holy Spirit. We think about tongues and manifestations and prophecy and all these things. And it's like, all right, let's back it up. How, how do we receive more of the Holy Spirit? And I'm not just talking about spiritual gifts. I'm talking about how do we as human beings begin to experience the power and presence of God every single day in such a way that we live a life that pleases him? How do we become people when we're afraid to open up our mouths and be bold witnesses of the gospel? All of a sudden, he arises within us and he overtakes our resistance or our hesitancy or our fear. And we begin to see change and transformation happen. 
How do we become people who when we're in traffic and we're overwhelmed and we want to use a four-letter word, instead we begin to bless the driver next to us because that is supernatural. How do we become people who when we're sitting at our dinner table with our kids, all of a sudden we have an understanding of the scripture that we open up our mouths and we begin to see transformation happen at our dinner tables? How do, we be, how do we become people who instead of picking up a bottle to be filled, to be influenced, to have our walking and talking and behavior be different, how do we become a people who are instead filled and flooded by the Holy Ghost so we can put the bottle down, so we can put the substance down, so we can put the pornography down, so we can put the toxic relationships down? How does it happen? And Peter says, turn away from whatever's been filling you and be filled by the Holy Ghost instead. And I'm going to tell you right now, I think the reason why we don't experience infilling in the church is because we don't think we need it. I think we have moments where we want it, but we go through life and we're like, no, I'm straight. And I'm telling you, Paul said, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. And I just want to take a second on this, and I'm only really using it to paint a picture if you think about it. When you, when you, when you surpass your, your limit in alcohol, for example, right? If you have way too many drinks, there's something in our culture that's like, keep going, keep going. I'm going to walk different. I'm going to talk different. I'm going to act different. It's going to be evident. And I think the reason Paul draws that contrast is to say, if, yo, if you can be filled with a substance or a person or a thing that affects you that deeply, can you imagine what could happen if you were continually filled with the Holy Ghost? Can you imagine how different you would think, how different you would walk, how different you would talk? And I think in the West, in the church in America, we're so afraid of the supernatural because we don't see it. We don't see it because we're not receiving it. We don't see it because we're not taking God at his word and saying, God, fill me. So I want to do something. We only have a few minutes left. I just want us to get comfortable in these gatherings for the upper room to be the upper room today. I want us to get comfortable saying, I'm not coming to church so I can fill my notebook with a great message and have a bunch of bullet points and it was clean and cut because I'm going to let you all know right now if I'm preaching, you probably ain't going to get that. Bless the Lord. I'm not coming to church because I just want to be entertained or check off my religious obligation or duty for the week. I'm coming because I want to be transformed with a body of believers. I'm coming because I want to be changed from the inside out. I'm coming because I want to be a part of laying hands on someone else so they can be changed on the inside out. That's why I'm showing up. I'm showing up for him. I'm showing up for transformation. I'm showing up to be filled. I'm showing up to believe for somebody else to be filled. That's why I'm coming. And so I just want to do something in this room, and I'm really believing that God, even in this quick moment, is going to move in this. I want, I want the Holy Spirit to impart something, because when I read this text, I go, Joel said in the last days, and the last days are between Pentecost and the return of Jesus, and where are we? Right in the middle of it. Which means the last days are right here and now. This promise is not for, for, for your ancestors, and it's not only for the next generation. It's for today. It's for 12-12 on July, whatever day it is right now. So I want to do something because the, because the text gets specific, and, and I'm going to take the Lord at his word. I'm going to take the prophets at the promise. And it says that, that your young men would see visions. If you're a young man in this room, would you stand up? You can decide whether you think you're young or not. I'm not going to put an age cap on it. Charmaine, would you, would you come up? Charmaine, would you come up for a minute? Yep, stand up high if you're a young man in this room. The promise, according to the scripture, is that young men would see divinely prompted visions. That word vision literally means that you would have a supernatural understanding of spiritual things. That is what's promised to you today, not next week, not because you strive for it, not because you earned it, but because it's a free gift if you would receive it. So would you open up your hands right now? Sure, mom, would you just pray and bless young men in this room right now with that?
Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you will begin to empower your sons, Father, your sons that you have anointed to do a great work in the kingdom and in this earth, Father. Would you begin to remove the veil from their eyes that hinders them from seeing all that you have for them, Lord? Would you begin to quicken them in their spirits that even in their dreams, Lord, that you would begin to whisper visions and prophecies to them, Lord, that they would begin to manifest all that the kingdom has to offer in this time, right here and right now, not later, not next week, but right here and right now, Father. As their hands are open, Father, would you just begin to pour out the Spirit, Father, your Holy Spirit, right now in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Praise God. You guys can take a seat. If you're an old man in this room, would you stand up? Going on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Take pride in it. Hey, this is the promise for you. It says, your old men shall dream dreams. Sermon, would you come? Would you bless them? And just ask the Holy Spirit to impart. Dear Heavenly Father, there's so much wisdom in age, Lord. Father, would you begin to quicken them in their spirits, Father, to pour out the wisdom that they have, Lord, for the young men like myself, Lord, and those that are in this room, Father. Would you begin to make their dreams clearly, Father, as you did with the fathers of the, the prophets of old, Father, as you did with Elijah and Elisha, Lord. Would you begin to impart into them the things that should be in the young leaders, Father, that are coming up, Father, as they pass the mantles on, Lord. Would you just begin to make their latter days greater than their former, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord. May they begin to walk in the fullness thereof of all of the kingdom that the kingdom has to offer, Lord. That you remind them that their, great, their best days are ahead of them, not behind them. Father, that they have so much work to do in the kingdom. That's why they're still here, Father. There's still a purpose and a plan that they are supposed to fulfill, Father. Would you remind them of that, Father? Would you remind them of the wisdom that they have to share to us, Lord, that we would be able to carry on the fight of faith, Lord, in this, in this world, Lord, for your glory. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. If you're a young woman in this room, would you stand up? See, women are a little different. We're like, I'm 99 and I'm young. Hey. The promise is that your daughters would prophesy, as in you, you, the daughters of the living God would prophesy. So would you open up your hands right now? Father, I thank you for every young woman in this room, for every single one. God, I'm asking that you would expand their ability to receive what you have for them, that they would prophesy. And what I mean by that is that they would have utterance from the Holy Spirit, divine knowledge and understanding from the Holy Spirit, that they would be able to speak forth your promises, that they would be able to impart to their daughters, to the women in their lives, to their mothers, to their friends, to their co-workers, mysteries of God, that they would be at the grocery store or at work and, and begin to be filled with words of encouragement and empowerment from your spirit. God, I'm asking you that every dream in their heart, every desire that they have to expand your kingdom, I'm asking that you would breathe on it, that you'd anoint them, that you'd breathe fresh life 
life into them just like you did Adam. And God, I'm asking you right now for every spiritual gift under heaven, be it tongues, be it prophecy, be it hospitality, God, be it hope. I just pray that they would that they would have a revelation of your spirit in ways that they never have, that their deepest encounters with you would be for today, would be to come. I'm asking that when they open the word, that they would have a new living revelation of what it says, of what it means for their life, that they would have the grace to disciple their kids in the way of the Lord. That you'd give them revelation that deep spiritual things that even pastors and shepherds might not ever unfold to them, that they'd get them at their dinner table from their moms, that they'd get them from their friends, even for those that don't have kids in this room that are, that are standing, that, that to everyone in their life, that they'd be a source of life and revelation of who you are and what you're like. Bless them, anoint them, fill them that they would prophesy in Jesus' name, amen. We got the best for last. My older ladies in the house, would you stand up? Hey! The scripture says that you shall prophesy that on men and women he would pour out his spirit. Would you open up your hands right now? Father, I thank you for every woman in this house right now. They've carried... um, Goodness, they've carried stories and memories and lives that only you know about. They have been, they, they, they've changed the lineage in their family, God. They've carried legacy in their family. And so I thank you for who they are, for who they've been, for what they've done. But God, we speak over them today that the best is yet to come. That the glory days are not behind them, but they're before them. You said that you would pour out your spirit on both men and women. And I come against the lie, honestly, for any older folk in this room, man or woman, that your days have passed, that the strength of your youth was as good as it was gonna get. And I say that your best encounters in God are coming. That your most powerful moments in the spirit is coming. That you, the most impact and influence that you're ever gonna have in your life is coming, it's coming, it's coming. He promised that he would pour out his spirit on you. You're not too old, it's not too late, you're not too seasoned. You didn't miss your prime, it's for now, it's for here, it's for today. And so I bless you and God, I'm asking for an outpouring of your spirit. Reveal your word to them, reveal the scriptures to them, scriptures that they've never understood. Show up in their bedroom, show up in their dreams, show up in the night in visions. Open their eyes to understand the deep things of the spirit. Grow their friendship with you. Grow their their relationship with you as daughters, as women who carry the promise, carry the presence into every realm of society and life. In Jesus' name, I bless them. And can we all just stand to close? Friends, I don't care who you are or what you've done or where you've been. This outpouring is for you. It's for you. It's for your children. It's for your grandchildren. It's for your sons. It's for your daughters. It's for your friends. It's for your city. It's for you. And my hope is that as a church, as we would begin to get curious about who the Holy Spirit is, as we'd receive the gift over and over again, becoming more available to service going long, more available to receiving, more available to going back in the word and saying, God, what is it that you're saying we can live in right now if we would just open ourselves up? I'm believing that God's gonna show up in power and might and glory and authority in our lives, in our church, in our city and beyond, amen. So God, we love you. We love your presence. And God, I pray that we would begin not only limited to this room, but that you said that this was an upper room. This was a place where your glory would rest and dwell, that you'd be here if we all showed up. And so even over these next few weeks, as we enter into life together and we pack out this room, I'm asking that we would be transformed, 
that we would not just play church, that we would not just hop in and out, that we would not just brush past people, that divine supernatural unity and community would be formed, that we'd be filled and flooded with your spirit, that you would, I've been saying it a lot lately, that I don't want to be a people that are interrupted by you. We want to be people that are integrated by you, people who were walking with you so closely that you don't have to take something over or wreck a plan or change something because we're off course. God, let us be a church and a people that are so aligned and in tune with you that we begin to see your spirit break out, that addictions begin to be broken, that marriages get restored, that bodies are healed, that minds are renewed, that that circumstances shift. And even if they don't, that the joy of the Lord is abundant and overflowing. God, let us experience the promises. Pour out your spirit. Can you just say pour out your spirit? Pour out your spirit, God. Just keep saying it to him. Pour out your spirit here. Pour out your spirit here. We want it. We want you. We don't resist you. We don't reject you. We say we love the Holy Spirit in this house. And we expect to see you move and change us from the inside out as we become more available to you in your presence. We love you, God. We honor you. We honor you. We honor you. We honor you. We honor you, Holy Spirit. And we expect to see in the last days what you promise as we say yes. And as you prove to be faithful, it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Can we just give it up for the Lord? I love you guys. I'm sorry. I didn't have the band come out. So we just kind of, you know, you got the, you can let the spirit fill in the cracks. Amen. I love you. Bless you all. Have an amazing week and expect to see God blow your mind. Amen.